Welcome back to the Red Debate, everyone. Tom here, and I've got Chris Smith with me. Chris. Hello, mate. It's been quite a week, hasn't it? <laughs> what a mad, mad week in the football world. Yeah, just, well, sum it up a little bit before we start then, then Tom. Well, I mean, I, I, if you're listening to this, it's highly likely that you've heard what's been going on. But obviously, the Super League stuff's come in like a... Uh, well, a meteor landing on the football world, really, and shaking things up in a far more sort of sudden and dramatic way than I think any of us were braced for. Did you, um, I mean, I know it's been mooted a little bit in, in the media and uh, the wider football world for what's probably years now, but I didn't think it would land like this, did you? Not at all, not at all. And the way it landed as well, like the timing of it um, and the actual time that the announcement like happened it was at 10 30 at night or something like that it was, it was just it was probably the maddest 48 hours i've ever seen in football and i say that because of the clubs involved obviously it wasn't just one club and then you've got the addition of Mourinho getting sacked in amongst it it was just mental like, i actually couldn't stop refreshing twitter in the newsfeed and being one of the clubs in it it was just horrible to watch from a liverpool fan's point of view wasn't it it was astonishing. I mean, my finger wasn't firmly on the pulse at the time. I basically, essentially wasn't on my phone. Um, came back to my phone and saw streams of messages about it. Obviously, logged on to Twitter afterwards. <laughs> a lot, a lot of it like... from me, ranting, probably. Wasn't it? <laughs> All of it from you. Yeah. Various links and podcasts. And, but yeah, I, I, my initial response was dismay. Well, I didn't believe it at first. I, I don't know why. I just didn't believe it. I, didn't, I, I never truly believed that it would happen. It just, it just felt so surreal. Um, yeah, like you say, nothing. We've I've never we've never really experienced anything like this in football. Sort of, you know, a proposed breakaway, taking away the competitive nature of things. That was the truly odd bit. It was almost like non-sporting people trying to make incredibly significant sporting decisions. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. I mean, first and foremost, knowing what we know now, obviously it's fallen apart. It's just been a fucking disaster. There's nothing else like no other outcome apart from being a fucking disaster was ever going to happen. But I think, as you say, the, the taking away the competitiveness was just criminal. And I think the first, the first issue was the criteria of one teams that made it as in how the fuck did Spurs and Arsenal get in there when, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Arsenal, Arsenal are currently like 11th in the premier league. So just, if you're a Leicester fan, you'd be like, what the fuck? Um, Spurs have literally never won the Champions League. So how on earth are they in the European Super League? And I think, secondly, for me, part and I, I wrote about this in, in the open letter, didn't I? But part of the beauty of the Champions League is playing the teams like Porto and Olympiacos on the way to the final. Like that Gerrard moment that I wrote, wrote about on the way to Istanbul in, in that letter, it doesn't happen if you've got a European Super League. And they're the beautiful moments that you look back on and think, you know, the final is the the outcome, right? That everyone dreams of and the quarterfinals yeah. and stuff like that and the semifinals. But quite often it's a journey, isn't it? And particularly Absolutely. when you've got an underdog team making, you know, even when we played Spurs, I guess you'd like Spurs' journey, they'd look back on that Ajax game, for example, as just one of those games that will never, ever be forgotten. Now that wouldn't happen if you had a European Super League because Ajax wouldn't, wouldn't have been one of the teams 
Yeah, absolutely. The, the knockout nature and the, those glory ties you get against historical giants, like it, it just wouldn't be replicated. One of the, the pertinent points for me was the idea that it takes the shine off, you know, an, uh, an away trip to Real Madrid, like we've just had this season, for example, albeit without fans. It takes the shine off that if you're playing them repeatedly in a season. I mean, I mean, even going back to the sort of Rafa years, 2005, it felt like we played Chelsea once every few months. That It would be like, like that on repeat, just ad yeah. basically. But I think um, obviously it turned out the players didn't want to do it and they came out um, largely, I guess, because of the fans' response. But even if the fans did back it, why would the players want to play in it if they couldn't play international football? Like Imagine imagine telling Henderson, by the way, we're breaking away from UEFA, so you're going to come and play in the Super League, but you're not allowed to represent England. Imagine telling Van Dijk and Genie that they couldn't play for the Netherlands. Or like yeah. even Ronaldo. He's never going to go for it that he's not allowed to catch in Portugal. Like, there, the whole, there was the whole a lot notion of, of it was just a disaster. Yeah, there were quite a few people coming out and questioning why Messi or Ronaldo didn't speak up. I mean, they're obviously just just players, but as far as just players can go, they're two of the most significant players in the history of the game in some senses, certainly in the modern game. Um, well, I think, and, I think and the backlash them, was a little bit less, though, was it? wasn't it? I think I think in the in England in particular, the backlash was far more significant. I guess because there were six clubs involved. Um, yeah. Which was weird that there was a, a bigger swing towards English clubs like Spurs and Arsenal compared to other leagues. Yeah, true, true. I mean, one of the points for me, given how significant a change this was going to be, and, you know... It's it's a, this was going to be a major rollout. A how suddenly it came about, like you said, and B with such little preparation, given given the significance of the changes, it it was almost as though these, you know, the the money men involved in the situation hadn't done any of their background research. Like, mm. sure, surely you, surely, you know, fan polls and even player polls would have just immediately alerted them to the idea that this was not going to be well received. Do you think they yeah. knew that guy? Do you think they knew that sat on the eve of the announcement? Do you think they knew, shit, this is going to get some backlash? They I must have done. think, yeah. So, I mean, when it happened, I consumed a lot of information. As, as you know, I was sending you podcast links all the time and stuff. So I listened <laughs> to a really wide range of opinions on it. And I think the general consensus is that they were absolutely prepared for backlash, but they thought it would die down. And I think... What happened very quickly, which is why it didn't die down, is one, we were playing. So yeah. if that Leeds-Liverpool game hadn't have happened, maybe it would have died down a little bit. But obviously Klopp was the first manager to really speak about it. Tuchel had done a, he had done a press conference the day before hadn't he? and just basically kind of said, he, I think his words were, I trust the owners to make the right decisions, but... He Which sounds really like the words of a new, newly appointed manager. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, so that happened. And also Gary Neville. And obviously he's a United man through and through. But he has come out, in my eyes, he's come out of this in, in a really high light of just how good he is as a pundit and as a commentator. Because the words that he said on the Sunday and the Monday um, were just so strong. It was like a rallying call to arms, wasn't it? For all fans and, and all players to come out and just like say, absolutely not. And I think yeah, when Carroll was raging. raging as well. Yeah, he was raging. Yeah. And the Monday night football was just phenomenal. And that, that was when it kind of like all kicked off with, within hours of that happening. 
it had gone yeah. all, all of those clips on Sky Sports had gone viral, hadn't they? You'd got you've you've got Klopp obviously saying that he didn't agree with it. You've got James Milner after the game saying we don't want it. Literally, he said he said that, didn't he? And then and then yeah, straight faced as well. Straight faced, yeah. And then that um, you know the other players as well. There was a whole host of players came out in the end, didn't didn't they? So like the whole yeah, thing, eventually. the timing of it with that Leeds Liverpool game. Um, was just bizarre, wasn't it? But I, I do agree. I think I think heads will roll because it just seems the planning of it, of the the actual idea of it, and the the release of it was just bizarre in every way. It was, yeah. I I, I like the idea that you've referenced the Liverpool Leeds game because obviously I was tied up in work in the day, so I, again couldn't get my head too involved in in all of the stuff. But the text messages were rolling through, and it was almost like a deadline day thing where people were texting through saying Gary Neville's been called up for Monday Night Football at the last yeah. minute, and you just thought, here we go. Because I mean, Neville and Carragher are always box office; they're always worth watching when they're doing tactical analyses. Yeah, but the, the way the passion would we spoke about it, didn't we? That I mean, they weren't necessarily eye-catching technical players in their own right, and we spoke about how they've inevitably got to the top of the game because they both love the game. They both know the game inside out, but listening to them talk about the economical side of the game, as well as like the fan rooted aspect of it, it was, it, it was rousing. Um, yeah. And I mean, Neville as well, ultimately he's, he's a club owner, isn't he? With, with Salford. So he must know that side of things like about the pyramid and stuff of English football really well. He does. And people have, have pointed towards the paradoxical nature of some of the stuff he's done for Salford. Like he, he, he had a player on four and a half grand a week whilst the, the average was 200 quid a week or something like that. But, but, you know, that aside, he is a football fan. He is a club owner. He is a former pro and he speaks rousingly about the game. Um, did, did, you see, did you see the clips of doing the rounds on Twitter of his Monday Night Football debut years ago? No. No, <laughs> someone's put a clip up of him in, interviewing Roberto Mancini, <laughs> and he's there. He obviously looks a lot younger. He's in like an ill-fitting suit and tie, and he tries to say uh, to Roberto Mancini, he's always, he tries to say like, "Oh, you didn't expect to be interviewed by me," and he completely fluffs his lines and stumbles all his words and stuff. And the, the person tweeting it was just like, "Gary Neville's come a long way." <laughs> he really has, because the way he yeah. delivered his speech on on the Sunday was off the cuff. And just amazing, like delivered perfectly, questioning the clubs, questioning the owners, yeah. you know, really firing shots at Joel Glazer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I think um, well, both of them are just incredibly passionate about and the fact obviously that they actually are part of two of the clubs that are involved. Yeah. Like they're probably just utterly embarrassed, weren't they? But I think well, also, they were, and they what, said they said, go on, sorry. I was going to say also, Neville did make it quite clear that he doesn't mind money in sport, but it's the lack of comp- uh, com- competition, basically, isn't it? That was the big, the big thing. Well, yeah, David Jones was having reminders in his in his ear from the Sky Sky directors, probably telling oh, him to we were remind, having, remind. We were having people. a right crack up, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, when Carragher started talking about how how Sky had basically done a coup and you know created the Premier League, we were like, guarantee someone's in his ear saying, "Why the fuck did you say that?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dave Jones just quickly reminds everyone that Sky Sports boosted the economy, yeah. <laughs> pumped money into the grounds, and now the English grounds are the best in the world, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But but yeah, it's. I mean, Gary Neville highlighted it, didn't he? It's been. He said that in his playing days, you just do not speak up against your owners, and he touched on the idea that not only with this Super League stuff, but also politically with Marcus Rashford, uh, you know, working with the government and stuff like that. Now is really a time where these players, they're public figures as well, and to see yeah. Jordan Henderson come up, come through this with like recognition from the football fan base as a wider population, that that was 
almost like a beautiful part of all this. The uh, the last minute captain's rally that Jordan Henderson made. He he is a proper leader, isn't he? Let's be honest. I think he's the best captain we've ever had. And I know I've got giddy about Hendo before on the podcast, but I, I genuinely think that he is just a complete legend of a man. Like, how can you not like Jordan Henderson? The way that he holds himself and his attitude is just, in, regardless of if you like football or not, he's just a top man who does things for people. You know, he looks out yeah. for people. All the stories that you hear of the work that he did for the NHS charities during COVID, like he calls the captain's meetings. They arrange this, yeah. you know, the statement post that every single player put out. I just think we're incredibly lucky to have him. I didn't, I didn't see too much of it, but I saw um, he'd uh, given up his social media this week, actually before this Super League stuff. He'd given up his yeah, social did, media yeah. account to, um, I, I don't know what the resource was, but it, there were lots of sort of, uh, it was about discrimination in football. And I saw there were some quotes from Tyrone Mings about how his family have received racial abuse and stuff like that. And Henderson used his mouthpiece, essentially, albeit digital mouthpiece, he used his digital mouthpiece to get messages across. And that just tells tells the story of a man. Um yeah. It does, yeah. And I think like we're we're the only team, as far as I'm aware, where we've where every single player released a joint statement saying they don't support it. I know other players did, but not as a full squad. So and that's Henderson, that is his leadership. And when you've got someone like him at the helm, and I was a little bit concerned that someone like Salah or something might be a little bit pro the European Super League. Um but because every, because of the sort of elite worldwide status. That it yeah. might provide them. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Obviously, the thinking of the people that wanted to put us through it was that it's going to be like the ultimate glamour tournament. I'm sure that's what their thinking was, right? Yeah, but it doesn't work if if the players aren't aren't motivated from nothing other than a like a financial point of view. If it's just money, and you take away the point of like winning trophies and qualifying for something and representing your country, then I just, I can't see, like money is just half of the motivation, isn't it? Like players still dream wanting to play, you know, captain their country. They want to quite qualify in the top four for the Champions League. If that's all gone, because realistically, if, if you play the Super League and you lose your first games, you know, you're not going to win it. Yeah. So what what's the point <laughs> apart from money? Yeah, no, I mean, they raised a good point about what City's interests were in this whole thing. Like, why, why would City need the extra financial incentive? Well, yeah, I, I guess the that brings us on to the owners quite nicely, doesn't it? Because City's input, you'd imagine, is that they just didn't want to be left out because they are a big club these days. But as for Liverpool, it's, you just, you can't, you cannot help thinking that this is just a, the only reason we have done this is a money grab to compete with the likes of City, like the, the oil barons. And well, they, they haven't been shy. They haven't been shy of talking about how COVID's financially affected them. And and in truth, we'll come on to FSG, won't we? But FSG haven't really covered themselves in glory in the last year. Aside from the obvious victories on the pitch, um, you know, there's been. The, the, the obvious inflating ticket prices there's been the furlough thing which seems to have been brushed under the carpet a bit but that was disappointed the fan base hugely um, then obviously you know not signing a centre back when we clearly needed one until yeah. right at the end um, and even still not going as hard as most of the fans would have wanted they, they haven't covered themselves in glory uh, I mean it, it was all it was all really hotting up just uh, 
you know, there were people coming out and saying that FSG are now trying to sell us and Hogan and Henry are going to leave. This was before Henry's message. It's, yeah, it was a merry, it was a merry go round. But do you, like, do you think, do you think now that this financial incentive has been removed by the ESL collapsing, do you think that changes FSG's stance? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because uh, they obviously run it like a profitable business, which I mean. You can't really fault them for that. And they've done, in some ways, a fantastic job. If we think about the state of the club under Hicks and Gillette, you know, we've come a long, long way since then. What I think... If you, if you measure it entirely on successes on the pitch, yeah. They've, they've well, not just successes on the league. pitch. Like, you know, look at look at the revenue of the club. You know, the, the, the league standings in terms of revenue was released the other day. And we're now fourth, aren't we? We're the fourth biggest revenue in the world. So I think I think they're fully aware. Job. They're fully aware that that creates success on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they're hand in hand, aren't they? Really, but, what, but yeah. What is different though from the other clubs, and what is why I'd imagine we were so keen to join is that we still have to sell to buy. And when FFP was scrapped, I reckon they thought without significant investment here, we're in real trouble. So the fact that Klopp's done all of this with relatively low net spend compared to everyone else. It's just astonishing, really. And unfortunately, like, they're rich as fuck, aren't they? But we still, I mean, the whole centre-back thing in January, squabbling over paying, you know, 20, 30 million for a decent centre-back was yeah. embarrassing when you've just won the league. You know, there's absolutely no chance that someone like Madrid, Barcelona, City, Bayern, any of those top clubs wouldn't have bought a centre-back then. And I think that leaving Klopp out to dry there. We played against Real Madrid and they had three of their starting back four out injured and they still fielded a world-class back four. Yeah, and how much did they sign Edin Militao for? 50 million, was it? Yeah. Something it like was that, a lot yeah. of money, I can't remember, but we were, we, we were fishing around at the time and then they blew us out of the water. But yeah, the, yeah, go on, sorry. I was just going to say, so that obviously was a bit of a betrayal of Klopp. And now this, if I was Klopp, I'd be absolutely fuming. Put him, in out, him out there in front of all those cameras to answer questions about something he had nothing to do with. Was in many ways, he, he, he held the count. Yeah, but in many ways, don't you think? We were saying this at football on Tuesday um, when we were playing five-a-side. Klopp was the ideal man to be put in front of the cameras first because he could... He, you know, there was there was that time that was there was that brief moment where people thought Mourinho had been sacked because of his stance on ESL. Klopp was the ideal person to face the cameras first because he, he going back to um, FSG's success with us and the net spend stuff. He, he's been their greatest ever appointment. He's been one of the greatest staff appointments in Premier League history. You could argue if he were to have left, that you know that that would have been so. He would have arguably been the most significant fall guy from all of this. If he'd, if he'd held his yeah. hand up and said, I don't, I'm not into it, I'm walking. Do you think Liverpool still would have pressed their head with it? No, I don't. If Klopp, I, yeah, you, if you're Klopp absolutely said to John right. Henry, if he'd said privately, I, no, I'm not in, I'm out. If you do this, I'm out. Do you think Henry still would have gone through with it? I don't. No, I don't. Uh, you're right that he, for, in terms of the movement of getting it scraps, he was a big part of that. But I think for him personally, what well, the point I was making more was more along the lines of just how, how fucked off he must be with FSG yeah. from not supporting him financially in the transfer market. Because like no one wants this record that everyone keeps fucking throwing at us, which is like we're the worst champions, you know, title defending champions ever. 
Like, which is nonsense. Leicester nearly got relegated. Yeah, <laughs> but they didn't nearly get relegated. But they did. <laughs> um, and that he was blindsided about this whole thing, I just think it's a total disrespect to him, considering what he's done. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some incredibly tense discussions between. I know he came out and said they're good guys and stuff, but. I think inside, secretly, he's he's absolutely seething, and so is someone like Henderson. I'd, I'd be shocked if they all like are happy with what's happened. But I guess but it, like, goes, it, it goes back to the planning issue. Like, surely, 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 they consulted Henderson and Klopp as key figures in the club. Surely they did. Well, they didn't. They did they? Well, evidently not. But <sighs> so, uh, well, it just if if we the mind. flip it, then how do they come back from this? Yeah, well, do, do, do you want them to come back? From, do you think that that is it? Like, if we got top four, do you think all will be forgiven? I mean, there were mutterings, weren't there, that if we didn't get top four, they were going to sell us. There, there's always been a possible undercurrent that FSG might sell us. There, that hasn't really ever gone away. Not that many people um, can afford us these days, though. Yeah, yeah. Like you're looking but, at over, over two billion, the valuation of the club. Yeah, which would probably places in amongst the cities and the PSGs of the world footballing world if we were to get bought out I don't I don't necessarily think any fan, fan wants that it's very easy for a fan to sit here and say FSG out but what's the alternative I don't yeah, know that, then that's it I, I mean what, what about if we got a marquee signing because football fans are very fickle aren't they and I think one of the easiest ways to come back from this this PR nightmare is just get your get your coin out <laughs> If he if they came out and went right, we're going to give Klopp two hundred million to spend, regardless of if he sells anyone. (laughs) I think everyone would just be absolutely loving it. It'll be like you know what it's like when transfer deadlines, uh, you know, day happens and stuff. When if we just spend out a load of money, even if it's not someone of like Mbappe's quality, if we still spend that amount of money, I think that would go a long way to showing. You know, I say this. But yeah, I'm thinking about I, it. It's obviously know. part of the problem that I'm I'm asking the club to spend a load of money. That is part of the problem, isn't it? That clubs spend outrageous that, that they don't have. money. <laughs> yeah, that they don't have. But it, I mean, what, what, I mean, it's what usually else part of the do you think they could do? Yeah, it's very it's very easy to suggest that the relationship ultimatum is go get me Killian. <laughs> yeah, go get me Killian, and I'll forgive yeah. you, John. Give me I don't Mbappe know. I, 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 I agree. I agree with you. I don't necessarily know if it's as straightforward as that because. I mean, football clubs should be owned by the fans, really, shouldn't they? But you, that's not going, just simply isn't going to happen across the board whilst we're looking at one of the biggest money turning industries in the world, essentially. For, yeah. you, football, was it Perez saying, there's, you know, there's four billion football fans worldwide? It's whether we like it or not now, it is a business nowadays. You know, you know, I'm more than happy to answer anyone's concerns about why footballers get paid so much money. It's because people want to pay yeah, it. People it's, want it's to pay demand, this money to, to follow. Case of supply Absolutely, and of course it is. And where and wherever that goes, there's going to be business heads, as as this ESL thing is hugely revealed. Um, but but back to your point about how FSG can can make amends here they, I think they really have to hold their hands up uh, John Henry's apology has been questioned doesn't it you know people were saying he's been reading off a dictator and uh, uh, you know reading off a script and stuff like that but ultimately the guys come out and said sorry I think they need to just show us that they're sorry how, how they do that I don't know um, I don't think they were um, public enough with their apologies about the furlough situation I think that was 
real poor from them. Um, like I said earlier, I think that got brushed under a little bit. How they go on to show us that they're serious about the club, I don't know. Because, I mean, the Red Sox fans would probably sit there and say they warned us. The Red Sox fans yeah, apparently used true. to say, you know, uh, John Henry FSG aren't interested in Red Sox anymore. They're more interested in Liverpool. They're more interested in just making money. I think you, you, they would argue that if they're making money, it's because we're doing well on the pitch. So it's almost symbiotic in the sense that if we win, they're winning. But it's a little bit chicken and egg. Are they going to have to go harder for us before we start winning? Or are they just going to have to hold, hold out for more miracles like they've had with Van Dijk, Salah, Klopp, these, all these signings that have aligned perfectly? I don't That's know. It. I think... you, you hope they le- they've learned lessons from that because what's happened has been a miracle, I think. Like the until this season the no injuries for the main players in the squad the low net spend that's not sustainable like yes you can get away with it for two years but as we've shown this year eventually you do need to heavily invest if you want to continue to be at the top for a long time yeah and i mean john henry would would probably be able to give you a, a devil's advocate answer to all of this like you know they've invested in the facilities they've they've invested in the youth system they would argue um they like you said earlier they've they've increased revenue massively i think that's important to point out as well because i know a lot of liverpool fans are angry and i'm one of them because of the way they've treated the fans and the players and the manager but they have done good and you know as football is so fickle a good pr situation could turn this around for them and it could even be something just like something to do with LeBron James, for example. Just get him involved if they need if they need to. Well, there is talk of Kenny Dalglish being given a bigger role. Um, and and going back to your point about PR situation, they missed out on a massive, probably world news PR situation that would have been the league parade, like the Champions League parade. Yeah. Ironically, did you see this? You know, Brandon Williams, the United left back. Yeah. Did you see what he put on Instagram? No, I think he, he it must have been an accident. Whether it was an accident or an intentional post, I don't know. But he he was posting about the ESL stuff, and he was like, "Football is for the fans," and he put up a picture of the Liverpool Champions League winning parade. What <laughs> <laughs> oh, an idiot! And, someone, and some someone showed an image of a Google search result for football fan parade, and he's obviously just pulled the first picture that comes up. He didn't realise it was the Liverpool fan parade, but but back to the point about the PR move that FSG missed out on. They, like. <sighs> it's a shame for them. Obviously, it's more of a shame for the fan base, isn't it? But it's a shame for everyone involved that we never got that parade because that league title seems to feel a little watered down given the circumstance and there's no fans around and we didn't, we haven't properly got to celebrate it yet. I don't think we ever will, to be honest. I do think that the this season has unfortunately taken the gloss off of it. And I hate oh, to mate. say that because... Obviously, it was such a long time coming. But it yeah. feels so long ago now that we were really good. But the way in which we won the league, we sort of trickled over the line and it was a done deal by about January, February. It was almost a bit anticlimactic when we won it. Do you not think a deadline, a, a last day of the season, top four finish would feel as euphoric as a league win in a strange way? Because I do. I know it sounds, it sounds madness to say, but if we get top four, I'll be absolutely ecstatic. And Same. I know that's a bit Arsene Wenger-esque, but it, like, because it would have to be smash and grab. It would have to be against the odds. It would have to be late in the day. Yeah. There's something special about that. And, and football, not having the fans in the ground, like, for example, Trent's winner against Villa to an empty stadium. 
you just think like your first reaction is obviously <laughs> your first reaction is is that going to get called up by VAR your next reaction is what a shame there's no fans to see that yeah 100%. and yeah it did like football's just about that really isn't it fans getting together and celebrating and yeah well you, you never know there could be the odd fan in by the end of the season <laughs> do you reckon top four <laughs> um do i reckon top four well no so... i meant fans are going to get there but do you yeah go ahead, oh. <laughs> um i'm not sure i i really don't know I, th- I think so the Leeds result was obviously a massive blow and i think i think a win would have put us in a really strong position and if yeah. we were playing well even with that Leeds result, I'd say we're yeah. still in a strong position. But yeah. realistically, Leeds easily deserved a draw and probably could have won the game. It was um, a true game of two halves in that we yeah, absolutely we were great tanked in the first, them in the first half, half. Yeah, but then they but absolutely I... tanked us in the second half. So I, 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 I just worry that we're going to drop a lot more points before the season ends and our form isn't quite strong enough to get us there. I never thought I'd hear myself say that we would have won that football match if Nat Phillips was on the pitch. But we, <laughs> Super he, would have, he would have headed that clip corner away. <laughs> That's true. I was thinking I think, about this, actually. Oh, oh. And I think, for me, I would summarise it as if we are to get top four, five things need to, five key things need to happen. One of them is Henderson have you, have comes you planned back. this? I haven't planned this, planned no. This? no. <laughs> You're rolling off five key things. Well, it made me oh, think right. of you saying Nat Phillips. So one of them is getting Henderson back. And obviously we've talked about... Is there a chance of that? I don't know. <laughs> I, I think he's potentially going to be back for the last couple of games of the season. I think if, if we're in there with a chance and we get him back for the last two or three games, that will be a massive boost. Secondly, we spoke about this the other day, didn't we? Salah is surely thinking now I want golden boot badly so and if Champions he gets league for sure well, yeah. and Champions League yeah so him hitting form Nat Phillips is another you, you one you could argue you could argue Salah's been on form all season his numbers have been ridiculous again but I know what you mean he hasn't been just picking games up and winning them by himself that, for a that's the difference now. yeah so he's been scoring yeah. but what what I mean by form is like match winning performances so he's got yeah. to win us then get us them three points no matter what else happens um, yeah. he, could do with his mate Sadio, well, he could do with he, his mate Sadio. Well, Sadio is an obvious one to mention, but I, I, I wouldn't really include him in, in the five things that need to happen because he's just been so poor. So the other one I was going to say is actually Nat Phillips, which, made, which is why I started this. You remind me of it. So the reason Nat Phillips isn't necessarily because of Nat Phillips, it's a, we need Fabinho for me in that defensive midfield role, like we just do. Yeah. How many have I said? <laughs> three, four? That's three. You've gone for Phillips. Well, it depends if Fabinho and Phillips are separate points. Or the no, same. no, they're, they're, they're the same thing. They're the same yeah. thing. Because Phillips and Kabak with Fabinho in front is more the point of like, we need a structured core. Yeah. Uh, four then would be Alisson because that, that worries me massively that his form has dropped. Um, but he looked better, didn't he, against Leeds? He made, he made two or three really good saves. He looked so better he, on the he, eye as well. He'd had himself a little haircut. Yeah, I think the task didn't do him any favours, to be honest. <laughs> no, no um, it was like Samson's hair, really, wasn't it? Shaved the, shaved the tash and he all of a sudden looks better. Exactly. Will, exactly. will he perform better? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's he's vital. Like if he, if he makes two or three more mistakes, we're talking real fine margins now because it's a couple of points. That That is going to be the difference. And then lastly, Trent and Robbo. And I think we're starting to see Trent come back to form, but... They're so important to our attacking. And I think we've really suffered with the with the goal scoring front from them two 
probably playing a little bit deeper and obviously not being quite on top of their game. Um, so it's great to see we- Trent, you know, coming right back to form. And lots of talking points on this one. I think I'll start with Trent. It's a real shame for him that we didn't qualify against Madrid at Anfield because that's one of, yeah. one of the best performances from him I've seen. He, I and it, he it doesn't get spoken about enough. Anfield. It literally doesn't no. get spoken about enough. Everyone rinses him when he has a bad game, but he pocketed Vinicius in the second leg and was our biggest attacking threat by far. And yet, like yeah. it's almost like we expect it from him. Or we, we don't, but, but I think, like the neutral think, people think, expect it back from him. It's not celebrated That's a mark enough. of how good he is. That's a mark of how good he is, in my opinion. I, 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 I'd imagine if we get fourth um, in the league this season, I would imagine we will all look back fondly on Gareth Southgate dropping him and say, thank you very much, Gareth. You've done us a favour there. Because I think Trent's picked up um, recent games. Obviously, he was excellent against Villa. The match-winning goal. I thought he was really good at home against Madrid. Um, but it, it, with regard to your point about the fullbacks, we've talked about this before and on and off the show, but the net effect of losing Van Dijk and Gomez is so significant. The back line drops deeper, the fullbacks drop deeper. The area, the, the area of the pitch of which the midfielders have to cover gets even larger, which does not help Thiago. Yeah. It, yeah. And then Mane not running in behind like he used to. It, just huge net effects. But I, I do agree on Fabinho in midfield being key for us. Um, and and it the, the big point around the top four thing for me is we're so used to run-ins needing to win every game. Um, particularly the 97-point season when it just felt like we were praying for City to drop points or if we were playing first, it was like we cannot drop a single point because that's it if we do. We're very used to these neck-and-neck ties where there's no margin for error. Going for top four, it is a little different. It's not like Leicester, Chelsea, West Ham, Tottenham, whoever else you want to include it, plus or minus Everton. It's not like they're going to win every game remaining the season. Let's be honest. No, true. Yeah. So, you know, all we have to do is focus on our results. Appreciate we should, we should, based on the first half performance, we should have put Leeds to bed. But from here on in, we've obviously got that fixture against United. But otherwise, they're all highly winnable fixtures. And we are doing it on Trafford as well. And and obviously, Chelsea still have Champions League. So focus could be elsewhere. I I mean, yeah, there's still a lot in our favour for sure. Do you think they'll do it? Ah. My heart says yes. I think my head says no, which pains me to say massively because you know how yeah. desperate I am for us to be there. But do I think we'll do it? I just, I just don't think we're playing well enough at the moment. Yeah, the balance of the season says no, really, doesn't it? it yeah. Felt, you, mem- you remember when we lost to Real Madrid in Kiev? It felt like, don't worry, we'll be back, and we were back, and we won it the next season. This time we went out to Madrid. It felt like we're. Might not see you again for a yeah, while. Yeah, <laughs> see you in five years. <laughs> no, I, I do think we'll be back next season, whatever happens, just because of the instant impact of the injuries coming back. But oh, whether or not we can... Whether or not we can... like, I just don't see how the form can turn around this quickly now. Something needs to go our way, really, doesn't it? And it could be one of the things I said. You know, It could be any one of those, that Salah hits red-hot form, Henderson comes back. Um, you know, Mane suddenly, suddenly finds I, form again. But like, how long I have we been saying say, these things for? I was going to say it was interesting that you left Mane out of those five points. Well, it's because he's been Cause so he, bad. <laughs> he's been poor for a long period of time. But you and I both sat there the other day and we debated the decline of Firmino and the decline of Mane. And we both somewhat agreed that it felt like Firmino was more on a downward trajectory whilst Mane was 
arguably, maybe this is us saying hopefully, but Mane's arguably just in a poor run of form. Just, we hope, yeah. We hope, yeah. I mean, do you put it this way? I'd be less surprised if Mane scored a hat trick than Firmino at the weekend. <laughs> Absolutely, and it, well, it's hard, wasn't it? Isn't it? Because he, you know, he's capable of it. I know he's capable of it. He's done it against, you know, Leipzig. He was pretty decent. So he can still produce those performances, but we're talking now about quite a substantial period of time where you do need to question whether it is for, and I'm I'm not saying that Mane is rubbish now, but I, I am just saying that the form thing has been such a long thing. It's probably unrealistic to expect him to like between now and the end of the season, suddenly find form again. I think he needs just a proper break and the end of the season can't come quick enough for him. And I'm sure next season he'll be back to his best hopefully but I just don't think that overplaying him and I think other players are going through the same thing now where Genie Wijnaldum I think has probably dropped off in the last month or so he's just exhausted I think like literally exhausted uh, Robertson I think you could probably attribute a bit of exhaustion to some of his more mediocre performances obviously he's been one of our better performers but particularly Firmino Mane I just think Firmino, as you say, is probably the more long-term worry for me, but um, both of them just need the season to end. And I don't, I can't see either of them suddenly turning it round this season, which is why we're so reliant on, on Yota these days. Well, and Salah, at the, well at, the, at the moment we are. There obviously remains the possibility that those two, at their best, top, top-class footballers could dig us out of a hole. You yeah, know, it, it, it's yeah. a better option. Mane, got, Mane got the goal on... on Monday, didn't he, against Leeds? So you never know. That could be the catalyst for for change. Yeah. But I thought he'd missed that as well, mate. Honestly, I actually thought he tucked it wide yeah. as well. But yeah. for me, <laughs> all, all of this could happen if one thing happens, which is Henderson coming back, which is mad because it's not like he's Gerard quality of of you know a footballer, but he has that leadership, and I think it would be a boost for every single player on the pitch if Henderson's lining up for those last couple of games. I think Klopp undoubtedly likes a bit of blood and guts in midfield, doesn't he? He started Milner against Madrid yeah, in the Champions League. A lot so, of game time, yeah. yeah, and Klopp said, hasn't he, that he thinks Milner will have a key role in the run-in. I think without Van Dijk and and to a lesser extent, but to a similar extent, the experience of Gomez at the back, I think, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's evident, isn't it? You need, you, you need leaders on a football pitch and we perhaps look a little shy of a leader on the pitch at the moment without Milner there. Yeah, well, and Van Dijk. Um... Yeah, we're we're we're. Oh, I meant with that. current, you know, with current current fit lads. With but current, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. probably the biggest worry against Leeds as well, wasn't it? The drop off in fitness and the positional sense of just we were sitting deeper and deeper. That they were literally all over us at the end. They absolutely um, legged us off the park, didn't they? I haven't seen yeah. anything like it under Klopp. I mean, obviously we got spanked by Villa, and we've had some poor results, but rarely do we get sort of overrun physically. Yeah. Very rarely do we get overrun physically. Um, but yeah, anyway, Newcastle. Confident. You? Yeah, confident. Um, not much to say on it, really. Who's who's he going to start up top? Does it even matter? Does it even matter? I would like to see no Bobby and see Yotta Mane Salah. I think Salah has to start. Obviously, he was, he was rested, wasn't he? So, um yeah, I think it's Salah and any two of a given number. Exactly, yeah, like, exactly. It, it wouldn't stun me if he started Shakiri. Wouldn't probably wouldn't stun me if he started Oxley Chamberlain. But um, so long as Salah's in there, um, I should imagine Yotta gets the nod from the start. Yeah, agreed. 
And uh, as long as Salah's in there as well, we always have a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to go 2-0 to the Reds. I'm going to go 3-1. I think we'll find some goals. It's going to happen. Yeah, that'd be nice to see. It would be nice to see. Good. All right, Smith. Yeah, that's been all for now. Um, Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time.